Welcome to episode number 79 of Mark G. Richardson's podcast series, Remodeling Mastery. Today's episode is brought to you by Surefire Local, hardworking marketing for hardworking people. Before I pass the mic off to Mark, I wanted to let everyone know this will be the final episode released this year. As we say goodbye to 2017 and usher in 2018, we hope this year has been the very best it can be for you and your business. Mark has shared a ton of great wisdom and advice that can help your business flourish in the years to come. Everyone here at Surefire Local would love to hear what New Year's resolutions you have for your business. Post yours in the comments or send us an email to marketing at surefirelocal.com and we may just have a special holiday gift waiting for you. So without further ado, for the last time in 2017, over to you, Mark. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that is designed to help you work on, improve, and think about your remodeling business. What I try to do is take different topics, topics that are more either thought-provoking, strategic, or even in some cases very specific with ideas and techniques on how you can improve. Today I want to deal with a topic that is really, I think, uh, one of the pain points that exists with a lot of remodeling businesses today. Uh, It's a pain point that is tied into not only our skills, but also tied into the changes in the environment. And that is focus on how do you control the client and control the selection process. As many of you know, most of the time I deal with higher level topics. However, this is one that, quite frankly, I think that really warrants, I think, some attention. So as you think about this, the first thing I would encourage you to think about is kind of what's changed. What's changed in the last 10, 20, or 30 years as it relates to the environment and how to move the client through the selection process? Well, first and foremost, there's proliferation. proliferation in choices that really didn't exist 10, 20 years ago. Matter of fact, one way to quantify this is a study that was recently done at Harvard University. They determined that in a recent three-year period of time, more product has been developed, more choices have been developed for home improvement in a three-year period of time compared to the last 100 years. And the reason I think that particular insider data point really helps you to appreciate is when you're overwhelmed with choices, I think clearly it's going to make it more complicated. The second element that's changed pretty dramatically in recent years is the Internet. And I know in the 90s, we started to have the Internet just as kind of a tool, a website, a way to go and kind of do some light level of research then that certainly increased uh, in 2000 to 2010. However, today the Internet is just an integral part of the selection process, and your clients, and you, of course, have access to information that's out there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think as a result, the client, I think, is looking at you certainly as a guide in the process, but not as that resource of knowing all the answers. They're actually going to the Internet, and I think that certainly uh, affected the the dynamic in terms of the selections and, and 
in many ways, while it's trying to help, it also confuses the process. The third element, I think, when it comes to the change in environment was highlighted actually by a speaker at the Extreme Sales Summit last year. And he talked about uh, the change in how consumers are making their decisions. The speaker was from Google. They do a tremendous amount of research when it comes to consumer surveys. And what they found, which I think is pretty incredible, that they said, based on their research and their data and their surveys, that homeowners today put more value in a online review than they do a personal recommendation. If you really think about that, just throughout the course of the day, through friends and family, you know, you get recommendations, you get referrals on different kinds of things. You know, the remodeling business has really been based on how you make your decisions, whether they're design or technical decisions, based on recommendations. And the reality is you, as the remodeling expert, usually are the one making those recommendations. However, again, what Google showed was that homeowners today put more value in a personal referral than they do a, uh, I'm sorry, in a, in a online review than they do a personal referral. And as a result of that, I think that's really created this confusion. So my point with these three elements, the proliferation, certainly the internet and the research tool, and then how clients, you know, put more value in online reviews, is that it's really changed the dynamic. It's changed your relationship, I think, in many ways with a client. So as you think about this, the question is, what can you do about this situation? And the following, I think, are some tips. There's some tips to help you frame and think about the situation a little bit differently. But there are also tips that uh, I think you can put into action literally right away and be more successful. If you really think about this subject and the reason that you want to be more successful in it is you can't keep having the selection process be more and more elongated. You know, companies out there today have actually done studies and they've realized that the amount of time it takes to take a client through the process, even though we have the internet, even though we have access to materials and choices that are at our fingertips, it generally takes about 50% longer than it did 10 to 15 years ago. So with all that being said, here's some tips on what you can do with it. Number one is I think you kind of change the paradigm of who you are in the process. You know, in the past, you were very much the remodeling expert. You were the sage. You were the advisor. You're giving them experience what other clients have found. Well, today, I think you need to kind of shift that. You need to shift it and think of yourself really more as a therapist. Think of yourself as a marriage counselor or a tour guide. You know, make sure that you're actually communicating clear. That's really what your role is today, more than necessarily being the knowledge source of everything that's out there. And the client's really got to trust the therapist and marriage counselor and tour guide to really guide them through, not necessarily with what they like and dislike, but guide them through the process. The second I encourage is to address the elephant up front in the room when you talk about the making of the choices and the overwhelm that is uh, uh, tied into it. 
you know, there was actually a study that was done that's called The Paradox of Choices. It was a book that was written by Barry Schwartz, and he talks about, you know, that really uh, having more choices is really less effective than more, that that level of overwhelm. So I think if you actually address the elephant in the room with the client, you actually tell them up front that many clients have found that giving you too many choices, all the choices out there are really just going to become more stressful. And I think if they relinquish a little bit of that control as a result of that advice, it will help you. The third element I would recommend is to set some clear selection goals and timeline for their decisions. You know, I think it's really, really important to keep the end in mind. You know, clients oftentimes, they really care about when a project is complete more than they do about when it started. So I think if you can focus on the end in mind, when they want to be in their beautiful kitchen and work the timeline backward, what you'll find is that they will actually have goals and a timeline in terms of when they have to make the decisions, and I think they'll be more motivated to do that. How do you envision your business growing in 2018? Mark recently led a 2018 planning workshop and shared how you can create a business plan to dominate the competition in the new year and beyond. Get access to this workshop on demand by emailing marketing at surefirelocal.com. Number four is to ask the client what they really care about in terms of the decisions up front. Now, this sounds on the surface a little bit condescending or somewhat kind of an obvious thing. Of course, everybody wants to make the best overall decisions. But the truth of the matter is we all care about something, and it's usually something different from person to person. You know, recently I did a little uh, seminar on this subject, and I took a group of folks, and I asked them in there, when it comes to a master bathroom, what do you personally care about the most in a master bath? It could be a, a, a specific design, could be a functional element, could be an overall aesthetic. What do you care about the most? And I asked five people what they cared about the most, and interestingly enough, they all cared about different things. Well, the reality is your homeowners care about different things. In couples, spouses, partners, they care about different things. And what you need to do is you need to find out, almost like a little bit of a detective, what it is they need to care about up front and make sure that you're putting the right time and energy into those things and not necessarily the hundreds of other decisions that they're just clearly willing to just acquiesce or go along with whatever advice that you have. The number five tip and again, it also is very simple, but it's write it down. What you want to do is when you're having a client meeting, when it comes to the selection, you want to have an agenda for that meeting. Ideally, give them that agenda up front. It could be the day before of what you're going to be covering, so they at least have a chance to really reflect and think about it. But with that agenda, what you want to do is outline what the goals are and specific selections that need to be made. Then at the end of each meeting, you want to put it in writing what those selections and decisions were that they made. 
I think there's a psychological element when it comes to checking things off the list and making decisions. If you don't write it down or you don't have a specific agenda, it's very hard to control and predict where the conversations were going to go. My number six tip is use the power of three. Now, rather than get into a lot of details of the power of three, I did a podcast, I've written columns on the power of three, and the power of three really ties in, in large part, to this whole selection process. You always want to give the client three options, ideally giving them an option or two that falls within their budget, but you always want to give them three options. And the reason for this, if you only give them one option, you're running the risk of them judging you based on liking or disliking that option. You give them two, then the question is, what else is there out there? You give them five or six options, they'll get overwhelmed and paralyzed and not want to decide anything. Three is the magic number. Always give the client three options. So as an example, if you're talking about, let's say, fittings in a bathroom or kitchen, you might want to talk about, do they prefer to go with fixtures or fittings that are contemporary, traditional, or eclectic? Which of the three would they like to go with? Which are they inclined? What are their design aesthetics as it relates to those three? Then you can start to guide them down the path of which one of the decisions makes the most sense. The next thing that you want to do in number seven is it really is good personally to be at the selections meeting. I think a lot of companies, they get individual or assistants to handle some of the selection process or they send clients out kind of willy-nilly out to showrooms. And then it's sort of like when you're walking a dog, having the leash get tied around the tree. What you want to do is you want to be at those meetings if you possibly can. And I know it takes time to do that, but it doesn't mean that you don't have to uh, be spending 100% of your focus at that meeting, but at least be there so that you can control it and you can come to closure and you can keep it on track and keep it on budget. Otherwise, it'll get tangled up and probably will come back and be problematic. The number eight tip I have is control the fantasy. Now, Back in 2003-2004, when homes were appreciating at double-digit on an annualized basis, homeowners out there could really fantasize as much as they want, and they could see a pretty good return on investment of doing that addition or that kitchen or that bathroom renovation. Today, on the other hand, you really need to control the fantasy, because if you don't allow the control to be there on the fantasy, then what happens is the clients will choose ideas and selections, almost like kids in a candy store, and it'll expand way beyond what their budget is, and then ultimately it'll get stalled or you'll get into an argument with respect to the level of investment and what they were expecting. So it's really up to you. I think it's their values, sage, therapist, tour guide to control the fantasy. What I usually recommend is as you're moving through the process, you know, really try to break ideas, designs, issues into three parts. That there's things that they have to do, they have to do for their home, things they want to do for their lifestyle and their family, and then there's, there's master plans, things that they want to think about for the future. 
So as you're moving them through the selections and the finishes and the decisions, make sure that you are controlling the fantasy, not just following the fantasy. Number nine is always keep the budget in mind. You know, it's really critical, if you really think about this, where things go awry. Usually it's because of the budget gets out of whack. It's not because the decision or choice is not there. It's usually because the budget gets a little bit out of whack. So what I usually recommend is you don't want to necessarily stymie, I think, the uh, enthusiasm in terms of the selection process, but you do want to communicate as their kind of guide and therapist for them not to get too emotionally tied into some of the decisions or in, if they have certain decisions and selections, to have alternatives that may, in fact, be less expensive. But if you always keep the budgeting in mind and you keep them focusing on the budgeting as well, you're going to be more likely to be more successful. Number 10, <clears throat> when it comes to the selection process, is make it fun. I know the selections can be overwhelming. For some, they can be extremely painful to go through, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are companies out there that I think really make the selection process fun. Part of making it fun is making it more visual, having it really in a setting that is more enjoyable. There's a company that I recently heard of out on the West Coast that takes clients on a design cruise, a selection cruise, where they actually retain a limousine and take the client all day long going from showroom to showroom, from granite site to granite site to pick the parts and pieces, and then they're documenting it in the limousine as they go from site to site. Then at the end of the day, they crack open a bottle of champagne to celebrate the fact that they've had a very successful day. To me, it's not a matter of whether you rent a limousine or not, but you do need to try to make the process fun. You need to try to make it really more part of the experience because at the end of the day, that's what they're, they're going to remember. They're not going to remember necessarily whether they chose this faucet or that or their cabinets. What they're going to remember is how painful was the process of getting there. So if you can just start to take some of these 10 tips I'm giving you today, you can start to make them a little bit more an integral part of your selection process. What you're going to do is you're going to see, I think, savings in time, you're going to see an increase in sales. You're going to see an improvement in close rate. And not the least of which, you're always going to see a better client experience. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast today. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you, Mark. You just listened to episode number 79 in 2017's last episode of Mark G. Richardson's Remodeling Mastery Podcast, brought to you by Surefire Local. Be sure to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your favorite podcast app and catch up on all the advice and wisdom Mark shared during 2017. Before we sign off, please take a moment to visit our website, surefirelocal.com, for tips and advice on making your marketing work harder by browsing our wide collection of on-demand webinars, eBooks, our blog, and more. We wish everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year. We can't wait to see what 2018 has in store. We'll see you in the new year.